And here's your Tuesday stars. The sun in Scorpio in your 11th house of the future sextiles Pluto in your sign and it's back to transformation. Earlier in the week I said with Venus moving into your 10th house it's all about the way you look. And the way you look means everything because if people feel at their ease or you present yourself in the right way they're going to want to know you more. But today you can actually add sex appeal to everything else. Baby, you got it. The Daily Rios for Tuesday, October 30th, 2012. Hey everyone, I hope all of you in and around the New England states are dry or getting drier and everything is cool. Uh, everything is cool over here. And even though I did all the preparation around my room, uh, putting bags around my comics and comic boxes and all kinds of things, nothing happened. So I, uh, I'm happy about that. If you don't know already, the original eight Comic Geek Speak hosts gathered for some comic talking for episode 1293, which was just released yesterday, which means, yes, I was there in studio, as were Brian, Shane, Kevin, Jamie, Matt, Adam, and Pants, the whole crew, and we braved the beginnings of Sandy, gathered in Reading, all in studio, nobody on the phone, to show new listeners just what they've been missing this past year plus. And to put out an episode for longtime listeners uh, as a thank you. And just kind of just sit around and, you know what, just say, this is what we do and this is what CGS did best, comic talking. And that was released. So if you were ever a fan of the olden days of CGS, that is an episode for you. So check it out, episode 1293. So because there's a whole lot of comics talking in that episode, I wanted to save the Daily Rios for something else today and to do another rebroadcasting of a podcast that I enjoy, similar to what I did uh, when I rebroadcasted the Indie Spinner Act tribute episode for comics legend Joe Kubert on his passing uh, back uh, around August 27th. That's when I uh, released that episode. So this time, I'm handing over the mic to Ryan Senyo of the Senyo Cast, and you can subscribe to him on iTunes, or you can find him at Cast. Dot Lipson.com, and that's Sanyocast spelled S-A-I-N-I-O-C-A-S-T dot Lipson.com. He's doing a daily-esque podcast, uh, short episodes for the most part, on topics ranging from comics to Magic the Gathering, top fives, including the top five Simpsons episodes, episodes on Doctor Who, Marvel Now, Marvel Events, and much more. It's another personal journal episode and if you like hearing how other people absorb popular culture and society and the world they live in, give it a go. It really is everything that podcasting was meant to be when it was initially kicked off in late 2004 and early 2005. The episode that you're going to be hearing is labeled Episode 7, Sanyo After Dark, which is uh, back from August of this year. And Ryan is just walking around his neighborhood. And he's just touching on topics such as podcasting, Marvel, comics, X-Men, X-Force, Deadpool, Ultimate Spider-Man, and even uh, a little bit about Edgar Allan Poe. If you like what you hear, subscribe. You can follow him on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash ryansanio, and that's R-Y-A-N-S-A-I-N-I-O. You can follow him on Tumblr at themaskedhero.tumblr.com. And you can go visit him and talk to him on the Uncanny X-Cast forums where he goes by the handle of Masked Hero. 
As I mentioned in the lead-up to the rebroadcasting of the ISR episode, I'm a firm believer of spreading the wealth, especially when it comes to podcasting and the podcasting medium. So give it a listen. It's 21 minutes. You just might hear something you'll like. Here you go. Take it away, Ryan, and I will see you tomorrow. Okay. Well, if you can hear the crickets, uh, this is clearly seeing you after dark. The crickets have come out. I'm out on a walk, uh, mainly because I found that the best way for me to think sometimes is to just be on my feet walking around, and my roommate would probably think it was really weird if I was just walking in circles around the living room and kitchen over and over again. Either that or he wouldn't notice. doesn't really matter. That's completely off topic. Uh, tonight I wanted to talk about uh, something um, that would be podcasts. I know in the first episode I talked about a couple of the podcasts I listened to, and those two would be in the Marvel podcast, which really kind of got me into podcasting, and the Uncanny X-Cast. And that will really be uh, the focus of tonight's episode, or whenever you're listening to this, really. And it's less about why you should listen to the Marvel podcast or why you should listen to the Uncanny X-Cast, uh, and more about um, one of the things that I liked the most about both of those podcasts, uh, particularly the Uncanny X-Cast. But starting with the Marvel podcast, just because it's kind of more of the path I took. Uh, one of the things I really liked about the Marvel podcast was the fact that they did interviews with creators. And you could tell that it was promotional material, because they were trying to get you to buy into things like Brubaker and Mike Carey coming on to the X-Men. Or, or issue 500 of uh, Uncanny X-Men, which they did with Matt Fraction and Ed Brubaker. Or Utopia. They did a lot of stuff with... Uh, X-Men now that I think about it. And I wonder why I got into the Kenny X-Cast. But um, they also did stuff with like Andy Diggle about him jumping onto Thunderbolts and Deadpool number one and all that stuff, all that jazz. Unlike most people, and I can do this with anything, really. Like I, I, I've watched the behind-the-scenes commentary on Heroes and Spider-Man 2, particularly the documentary on Spider-Man 2. Um, if you haven't had a chance, go watch those. Those are actually, like, pretty good, particularly the ones about uh, Peter Parker's love interests. Uh, maybe you don't find them interesting. I found them really cool. But I can sit there and watch the same content over and over again because it helps me to, like, retain, like, things I liked about it. And maybe that's weird. Maybe most people don't do that. I don't know. I do. Uh, but the thing I like about the Marvel podcast was they would sit there and talk to creators and particularly... Uh, the episode where uh, Jeff Sutter is interviewing Matt Fraction about Utopia. I would say, as a recommendation, if you want to ever get into things like graphic design or writing, mainly comic book writing, I guess, in this instance, or else why are you really listening to me? Uh, why are you listening to me, period? But if you want to get into any kind of thing where you are going to take criticism for what you are doing. Listen to that podcast. Uh, they talk about, Matt Fraction says something along the lines of, when they were coming up with the idea for Utopia, they were throwing around all, he was throwing out all these ideas, and he wanted to do, he like wanted to do this idea. And he said something along the lines of, when you are writing for Marvel, the best idea in the room is the one that should win, and that you should come in, and expect that not everyone's going to like your idea. But you need to have a thick skin. Cars everywhere. 
And I know I'm summarizing that horribly, but like I listened to that episode and go listen to that episode. I think it's like 20 minutes long. It's totally worth your time. Go listen to that episode. And then and then they did another episode, episode 100, with uh, with um, Joe Casada, and that is also a really good episode. It's a collector's edition, really, or it's a collector's item, really. And in it, they talk about how when he first got to Marvel and he was first the editor in chief, and they were, th- and he was trying to come up with, you know, solid ideas for what to do. Uh, he mentioned how. I, I tried to tell her that it was just a horrible, horrible idea, and that she was going out of her way to... Sorry, some people walked by. But... Pause Reddit. Okay, so they're talking... Like, Jeff's talking to Joe, Joe Casada, and he's talking about basically what would kind of become the first, like, Marvel Summit in his, uh, his like, basement or his garage or his living room or something like that, and how... He brought up the idea of, why don't we bring back uh, Bucky? And everyone in the room said, oh, we can't do that. And he, and he basically said, he kept asking why until finally no one came up with a good answer. And one of the reasons why they didn't bring back Bucky up until that period, and we're talking about, I think, he had like he got in sometime around 2000 as the editor-in-chief. And I think this discussion was going on, like, or like 2001-ish. I don't know. I don't remember that kind of information, but whatever. But he kept asking why. Because at some point, it comes down to the point that really, there's no reason not to do it. It's just, we haven't done it for so long. Why do it now? It's the same, he did, it was the same thing with giving an origin to Wolverine. They were doing it just simply because nobody thought that, like, it's an idea that should be told. And when you broke it down, this episode is going to be so edited. Um, that, but when you broke it down, there was no reason not to do it. And that kind of stuff sticks with me. I'm like, you know what? That's a really good idea. Like, why just go with the status quo? If, if you want to change something, just because no one else has, there's no reason not to. And now I'm going to get to what I like about the Uncanny X cast. And without sitting around here and, like, giving them a love fest... I will say that one of the things I love is the interviews. And not only because they really get down to the casual side of of the, the, the creators. They don't really ask the same kind of questions. They ask, how did you get started? And their interview with Chris Claremont is good to listen to. Almost not for any kind of like actual information. I mean, historical information is there. But you need to listen to it just because you need to hear somebody be extremely arrogant and he, he has reason to be arrogant, but he's more arrogant than I think somebody in his position really should be. I don't know the episode off the top of my head, but it's, like, I think in the late 80s, early 90s numbered episodes. But the real episode that I think is completely worth listening to and has not left my iPod since I downloaded this episode is episode 103, where they talk with uh, Rick Remender about Uncanny X-Force. And uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, pause this right now and go listen to it. I'll wait. Okay, wasn't that awesome? 
Like, particularly what he said about, like, Deadpool. Like, can, you, can you believe that? That was awesome. For anybody who didn't go actually go listen to it, um, I'll summarize the things I liked about it, but you're really cutting yourself short by not going to go listen to it. One of the things he said that really, like, spoke to me, and he didn't say my name particularly, but I know in spirit he was saying, Ryan, what you need to do to be a good comic book writer is get to the heart of the characters. And, and he said something along the lines of you should be able you should feel a little bit of Chris, Chris Claremont in Psylocke you should feel a little bit of of uh, Rob Liefeld in Deadpool and really that should be all you ever consider about Rob Liefeld his art has not evolved in like 30 years you should feel a little bit of Frank Miller and Wolverine. And, like, that's one thing that I've never heard another comic book writer say, but that I completely agree with. Is don't just... And this kind of goes back to the Claremont thing, too. But um, stop trying to give a circle jerk to every story you've ever loved and just respect the characters. That's one thing that I feel is completely lost on the comic book medium. And sometimes just any medium where you're adapting anything... The Marvel movies are a good example of this. People like my friends go, and I'm the comic book nerd. So whenever we get out, we all have to get into a circle and talk about the movie, and they all go, "What didn't Ryan like about this?" Except for the Avengers, because when the Hulk hulks off for the second time, and he goes and he smashes—spoilers, by the way—and he goes and he smashes the uh, Skrull ship. It was the Skrulls. Don't shit with me. That was the Skrulls. It's just the Ultimate Version's name of it. They can't use the word Skrulls because some other company owns the idea of a Fantastic Four in terms of movies, so they can't steal They can't use the word Skrulls, but that was the Skrulls. When the Hulk goes and smashes the Skrulls little, like, flying snake ship thing, I literally lost my shit. Like, I, I was just... Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. I was shaking in my chair with so much glee because I'd finally seen exactly what I wanted to see on the screen. Real. And after that movie, I, I couldn't... After that movie, I couldn't sleep right for, like, a day. I wanted to go see it again because I actually thought my dreams and my visions of what I thought a comic book movie should be, they'd finally somehow put it on the screen and it was real and other people could go see it and I wasn't just hallucinating. But if you want to adapt Sherlock Holmes, if you want to adapt Wolverine, if you want to ad- adapt, you know, Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven, you need to figure out what the heart of a character, what the heart of that particular piece of work was. And you need to try to stay true to that. Can you change things? Yes. But when Rick Remender writes Deadpool, and I cannot do justice to his quote, but it is like, I didn't realize this is exactly why I liked Deadpool at the time. But he said it, and I was just, yes, that's it. Um, And he said something along the lines of, Deadpool is the kind of character who who is refuge of the Weapon X program. And he's faced so much rejection, but when you peel back the onion, you see this complex character that the reason why he's sarcastic is a defense mechanism. Because, and he even said this, that he himself, when he, that he finds the times when he's the most sarcastic is the times when he feels the most vulnerable or that he doesn't know what to do because he's nervous. And so many people write Deadpool 
as if like he like he breaks the fourth wall. And I know he breaks the fourth wall. I know that there's a certain facet of the character that is absolutely crazy. But they write it as if he's just supposed to be a joke. And even when I didn't realize this is what I liked about Deadpool, and I've read the first two miniseries from the early 90s, and I'm completely blanking on their names. But when I first read those, I didn't realize this is what I loved about the character, but it's like he is sarcastic because he's vulnerable. He is a badass, and he's all these things. But at the, at the same time, like, yes, he's a jokester, but at the same time, he's still a human being. Hello. He's still a human being, and I feel like it's lost on some people sometimes, is they don't, they write him like he's just like a, a one-note character, and I, and I can't stand by every single issue of Cable and Deadpool, but there are issues of Cable and Deadpool that, like, granted, that's where I really learned to love the character, but I feel like it's spot on. There are issues, and if you have not, if for some reason you have found this podcast and you have not read, especially the first 18 or 19 issues of Uncanny X-Force by Rick Remender, stop what you're doing and go, don't stop listening to this podcast. Go read them. There's like, by now there must be, an, there must be some kind of compendium of all of them, whatever those are called, omnibuses. There must be an omnibus of this by now. It's like, what, 2013 by now? There's got to be one. And the way that Deadpool is written that I think is always the best is when he's written and he's both a, he's both the punchline, but at the same time, you see that he's a character. For some people that didn't know this, he, he dated Siren and, and Daughter of Banshee. But he also dated this character named Copycat. And I, have, I don't own the issue, but I have read over and over again the issue where Copycat dies. And I can't, I, I can't particularly, I can't articulate just the look in his face when, when I don't want to say it's the love of his life, like Gwen Stacy was the love of Peter Parker's life, but like just the look on Deadpool's mask in his eyes that you can't see, but you can see through his mask. He's, he's losing this person who meant so much to him. And I've only ever cried at two comics, and that was one of them. And, and maybe that makes me a sissy, I don't know. Um, the other one, as long as the topic is there, and I plan to talk about this eventually, was, uh, I believe it's issue one of Ultimate Fallout, which is basically the ramifications of Ultimate Peter Parker's death. And Aunt May and Gwen Stacy get out of the limousine that Tony Stark had sent for them to bring them to the funeral. And there's this girl in the the crowd that calls over uh, Aunt May. And Mark Bagley did a wonderful job of drawing this. Uh, it's this girl who's got burn uh, uh, scars. And the girl says that she wants to thank Aunt May because she can't thank Peter Parker anymore. Because he saved her from a fire when she was a baby. And I can't do Brian Michael Bendis justice by like articulating the panel and the words and the fact that he took words, put them with a picture, and made me cry. But it happened. That's the beautiful part about this medium. That's the part that I don't think people understand about comics sometimes, is that they can do things like 
literally pull your heart out so much that you that you cry or you can't sleep right the next day or you are so excited by something or you're absolutely shocked back to uncanny x-force there is an issue during the dark uh angel saga when when angel blows up a town in the middle of middle america because he can so that he can do part of his evil plan and i remember i was riding in a car going up to my roommate's cabin and i finished the issue and i put it down and i turned to the person who was driving i think it was my friend nate and i just said holy shit no comic has ever done that to me rick remender's run had so many holy shit moments if there was a third comic i almost cried to it was the last issue of the dark angel saga when Betsy goes into Warren's mind and basically gives them the the time they didn't get. Gives them the days that they didn't get because he went all psycho, crazy, and evil. And it's done beautifully because it's not Opeña art. I think it's uh, Isan Rubik art. Uh, I think that's the artist. I'm not sure. Go read it anyway. Um, but they change art styles to, to have a different artist for inside of Warren and Psylocke's mind. And... The, and I've seen this before because Mike Carey did something very similar in an issue of X-Men. But this was so much better. Because it wasn't it wasn't between two characters that were like, one of them was the children and the other one was Cannonball. It was between these two characters that we've literally watched their hearts get wrenched out over the course of a year and a half worth of issues. And, and at this point, you assume Angel's not coming back. And at the end of the issue... He doesn't come back. Spoiler warning. I don't know if the inflection in my voice can fully articulate what I'm trying to get across. I'm saying that because I listened to the Marvel podcast and because I listened to the Uncanny X cast, it led me down this path where I was like a resurgence into comics. Because of the Uncanny X cast, I decided I needed to read Uncanny X-Force. And because of Uncanny X-Force, I had an experience. On a good day, not every day, Comics can be this beautiful thing that can go right into your, you know, back of your throat and, like, just tug at your heart. Some days it isn't. Some days you get really bad art and a really bad story, and you don't understand why you paid $3.99 for this. But on those good days, and they don't come around enough, you get this beautiful mix of words and pictures that I think is underestimated. Like, people that don't read comics, people that think that comics are just uh, peanuts or uh, Mickey Mouse comics, they think that that's what comics are. And and I understand they don't understand. It's, a, it's literally a different way of looking at the way you want to read a story. But, and I have to imagine that if you're listening to this recording and you've gotten this far, that you already kind of know this. But... By happenstance, some guy said, you should read a, like read comics, who lived across the street from me. And by happenstance, I just happened to read this beautiful Dark Angel story that completely shocked and awed me. And now I'm telling you guys about it. A comic book made me want to tell somebody else about it. There are books I've read that I didn't want to do that with. There are movies that I absolutely love. I don't feel like I need to tell you about them. You probably already know they're there. I don't have that much of a refined taste in movies. I like movies. But even if you've already read things like Ultimate Fallout Number 1, 
or the Dark Angel Saga. Comics are this medium that make me want to tell other people about it. There are countless issues of fables. There's just pages of fables that I want to tell people about. I pushed, I pushed fables on like my entire group of friends, and like eight of them are chopping the bit every time a new volume comes out because they don't read comics, but this resonates with them. And that's why comics are great, and I gotta go. Now, 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 now. Okay, so uh, I realized I kind of just was really, really energized and then just kind of like stopped talking right there. And I really don't know what to say about that. Obviously, I think it's pretty clear. Uh, I started with one intention of what I wanted to say in this particular podcast and just kind of trailed off in a direction that just kind of came as, as it moved through me. And expect that there will be episodes like this one in the future about other things. But I feel like uh, I, I, I've taken the time, I've listened back to all 20-some minutes of the content I, I did. Some of it will be edited out, like a lot of cars. But I really liked this episode, and I hope you really liked it too. Um, I, without even trying, without intending, my intention was to tell you why I like two podcasts, and it ended up being why the comics I've cried to, why I love Deadpool, and I promise I will get more of that eventually, and why I love comics in general. And I think that's, if nothing else, that's the beautiful thing about podcasting too, is that it is that without even trying, you can hit these multiple levels. That said, if you want to contact me on Twitter, I am at Ryan Sanio, R-Y-A-N-S-A-I-N-I-O. And if you'd like to email me, uh, feel free to hit me up at saniocast at gmail.com. I accept text emails. I I will accept any length of voicemail. Uh, I have yet to decide to play any of them on the show, but that's not because they're too long or not important, but just because I haven't found a medium in which I believe a voicemail can be played yet. Uh, thank you and good night.